Welcome to Out of Game episode 24. In today's episode, I go through my experience at Origins 2016. We discuss some socially awkward gaming situations and end with a discussion of Cult of the Old versus Cult of the New versus Cult of the Next. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go out of game. Welcome to episode 24 of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And we're back to being a podcast about board games. Board games. Oh, no yeah. more no more D&D and GURPS talk. I'm sure it'll come up. It was a great episode, though. <laughs> we hope you guys liked it. Lord of the Rings. We liked that part the best, I think. Yeah, we were just talking before we turned on the mics and everything of how we listened to it last time. And it was, you know, listening to our own shows is interesting, but it was really funny. We cracking ourselves up because we get on these tangents. Yep. We hope, we hope the tangents are okay with you guys. Even if they're not, we'll probably still do them because we can't help ourselves. We can't help ourselves. Yeah. This episode, we are going to be talking about Cult of the Old versus Cult of the New versus Cult of the Next. You might be thinking, what's Cult of the Next? Because no one's ever used that term before. That's because I made it up. And we're going to talk about it later. But before we do that, let's jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. So, Chris... So yeah, we uh, played a game of Cyclades recently with the new expansion. What we had never done that before. I don't know, but it has an expansion. Cyclades. Hmm. I'll Best game ever. Number one game database. ever. Okay. <laughs> Love this game. So we were playing, um, and then the new god Kronos is on there, and it allows five people. And uh, apparently you could play six. From what I remember, but you have to break into teams or teams of. Oh yeah, you're supposed three to be teams of two. three on three. But from what. I remember of the game, it probably, you could have played six. I think it'd almost be better because playing five, you've got three people on one side of the map, two people on the other side. So if you had six, it'd just be three on each side. And maybe you don't cross that imaginary border in the middle to attack the three on the other side. But then it's still a power struggle on each side then. Yeah, the land grab seemed a little imbalanced because five versus if it were four or six. But it was a fun game. I remember... um, there's a lot of memories I have of this game, so I don't know if anybody's played this, but Kronos is the new god in there, and you, you bid and you, you get stuff from... I mean, there's something good from all of the gods, but I think Kronos well, was... Except Athena. I mean, that's pretty weak. Athena's the worst one, but Kronos, I think, was pretty powerful. I think a lot of people were going after Kronos. Yeah, I want to go back and read those rules, because it seemed broken the way those titans <laughs> all, were. It was close to being broken. Yeah, seemed broken. Power creep. Could be. But anyway, that's my big thing. I, I really enjoyed the expansion. I don't know how new it is, but it was the first time I played it. We're pretty sure, because Chris can't remember, we're pretty sure it was the Titans expansion that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, it is. It okay, is. Titans. Tim, Tim and us. <laughs> Should ask Tim. I'm trying to block that game out, though, because it was like three straight rounds of relentless pounding I on me, so I, I kind of, I'm trying to black it out. So for anybody who's listening, you remember Tim's number one pet peeve about board gaming <laughs> is when people go after him. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, was the one who did that in that game. But you were by far the leader when uh, I did it. That is incorrect. When we went back and reviewed, Aras <laughs> uh, was one gold behind me. Chris Johnson was three gold behind me. And they were both like Okay, one. so you were the leader, but not by far. I was the leader by uh, gold. But you had, the, you had a lot of land. And you, you made a great move on your last turn, which was good for you, but it got a lot of attention. And yeah. 
you know, every this it's an interesting thing about this game. It's the cutthroat thing where every, all the pieces are on the table and everybody knows, oh my God, look what he just did. You know, he's in a great position to win. And so the focus kind of turns to you. And I think that if I didn't, I got kind of lucky to win that game because I had a right card at the end, but I don't think you would have lost. I don't, I don't know how, I, I don't know how I could have won. How you could have lost if I, I if I didn't won. do that? No way. I mean, I, I got targeted. Too much by attention. Every, yeah, way, way, you know, one player, yes. Every player except uh, the other Chris, yeah, kind of can't win. Right. So that's, well, you still have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should you should have seen the move. It was a thing of beauty when he did it, and it was like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah, so I was I missed this game night, so I didn't play in this obscure game that we're talking about. But yeah. it sounds like it was a fun game. It was good. It was good. It's even even with the pounding, obscure. it was good. I've never heard of this game. Oh, Cyclades, the, the best game ever. The number one game on my top ten list. Oh. Yeah. One out of ten? Cyclades. Out of the ten yeah. games you've played? <laughs> I've played 20. Oh, okay. <laughs> How about you, Tim? Oh, well, gotten some more scum playing in on the X-Wing side, yeah. so it's been good. Kind of my favorite ship now with the the YV-666, uh, running that with Bosk, Veteran Instincts, Mangler Cannon, Dengar, and Gunner. It was just cranking. I loved it. I, I destroyed my brother so badly that he actually cried. Almost threatened quitting. <laughs> oh it was gosh. so bad. I ran. I ran a couple warthogs with that, which is a Y wing hired gun with turret lasers and the uh, BTL A four Y wing upgrade. So you're so good at this game. You're driving people away from the game. Yeah, my brother was uh, and into tears. Yeah, he was not that good. <laughs> there were many. No, no, no. Let me, many let me clarify. He's an average game player, but he's playing against Tim. So. Uh, yeah, from your perspective, you may not be very good. He's probably yeah. better than all of us, though. Well, probably because you guys haven't played, so I'm sure he'd kick your butts. Okay. I think the problem is he's trying to play more, too, with the tournament meta, which is a lot of dodgy avoid arcs, try to do that kind of stuff. But typically, we're playing epic, so there's way more ships on the table. Getting out of somebody's arc when there's 12 ships on the table is probably not going to happen. Hmm. Too many, too many arcs in too many different directions, so it's, it's hard to avoid. So, But I also did, came up with my magic number what? for X-Wing. Whoa. For X-Wing. Because you were talking about that last time. Yeah. So it's at a cool 10 Ooh, right double now. digits. So it is double digits, and only because Cool Stuff Inc. had a great sale, yeah. and I went crazy. Yep. And I got a lot of new models and stuff that I haven't flown yet. Welcome to my world. So going through that stuff. It, disorder. Yeah, it's, I kind of have that with your games. I, I was like... Okay, how many ships do I have? So I actually went down and started <laughs> trying to figure it out because I'd get the magic number. Yeah. So I didn't know which ships I haven't flown yet. So I was like, well, I might as well get the counts. Yeah. So I have a disgustingly high number of 190 ships. Oh, you actually counted your ships? I actually ships? counted the ships. So I've got. Don't uh, those come in like, in like packs of two? Oh, it depends. Some of the <laughs> expansion sets have two, some of, the, some of them are just singles. So, so two or one? Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any that have more than two. So you've bought over 80 packages of... No, I didn't buy them all because I got them for Christmas and birthday and stuff too. But yeah, I've got a a plethora. 190. It's a lot. It's a lot of uh, X-Wing. Yeah. Do you keep all the boxes? No, God, no. I'd have a freaking closet full of I could make a wall. I could, pretty (laughs) much. Why don't you wall off the bathroom with X-Wing boxes? (laughs) (laughs) Then we can start using it. They're not soundproof, though. That's the the problem. I don't know what the soundproof requirement is. And a lot of them, you know, it's that clear acrylic plastic so you could see, like, right through. So it'd be worse than glass blocks. You could take the acrylic out and then get some air in there. Probably. One time I I used a... (laughs) I used a porta potty that was shot with bullet holes, and it was like 100 degrees out, so it felt nice. It was like air conditioning. 
It was in the middle of Nevada. Yeah, those are usually really hot. Yeah. I was going to say, weren't you afraid that someone was using it as practice at well, that moment? I didn't think about it at the time. I was, I was in desperate need <laughs> on the roads of Nevada. <laughs> that's, that's a different who podcast. Got wha- who got whacked in that? In I that don't know. Place. So what, you were, you were driving, you saw a porta potty on the side of the road, and you pulled over? Yeah, because I needed a porta potty badly. So, Have you ever driven through Nevada? No, apparently like two, not, because... It, like, rest stops are like 200 miles apart. And the and rest stop is just two, like two porta potties. Yeah, porta potties and like a vending machine smashed in between. No, you pull over into a parking lot, and there's just two porta potties with bullet holes in them, which I think they probably shot them up to get like some air in there because it's pretty hot in Nevada. Wow, it's I, possible that was done out of necessity and not I, out of anger. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I might. Um, I think I might just hold it all through Nevada. No, there is no holding it. Or find a cactus. <laughs> a less prickly one. All right. Anything else about your... Uh... No, just my insane count and my magic number. We'll see what we can do about magic number. I don't think I'm going to have an issue uh-huh. like you with the games because... That's called denial, Tim. Yeah, no. That's nah. the first step. Next time I see a uh, sale, I'll, I, I'll send I, it your way. I, you see, but that's just it. Is I, I had a bunch of scum ships that I hadn't had, so that's that was the bulk of the purchases, all mm-hmm. the scum stuff. Yeah. So... But what happens when they release more scum stuff? You're not going to have those? Well, the good thing is they only release stuff like every uh, nine months, so it takes them a long time to get new ships out. Okay. And actually, the next set that just dropped is two ships I already have. They're just So the only thing stopping you is the slow release times. The slow release times and then mm. the repaints that they put out, so it's the same ships with different paint jobs and different pilots. Yeah. Who's buying that? Pretty much a lot of people. If, if, you, ever buy, pilots, if you ever buy one of those, then pilot, maybe I already bought a bunch problem. of those. Right. You bought a repaint? Yeah. <laughs> Got new pilots. Okay, that's okay. it's not just a, a ship painting differently. No, the ship's painted differently, and there's different pilots for the for the ship. I see. So there's there's more to it than just that. I see. All right. Speaking of magic numbers, yeah, we're gonna get to that. So I uh, I attended Origins 2016 as a member of the press. Nice. It was a good time. Went with uh, my lovely wife Esther again. Did not interview her again this time. Uh, so there's no surprise interview coming. Saint Esther. <laughs> yeah. Now, before I even get into just origins and the games and stuff, I had a, had a very interesting experience of walking through the dealer hall and someone stopping me and saying, hey, aren't, are you the out-of-game guy? <laughs> and that someone was Josh Walton, our fan uh, and listener Josh. So he recognized me from, I guess, the pictures on our website or nice. you know, pictures that we posted and stopped me to talk. He was there with his wife, too. And it was really cool. Kind of unexpected. So I got to got a chance to talk to him for a few minutes. I asked him if, as a board gamer, if the RPG segments are boring to him, <laughs> because I'm curious about that from people who aren't like RPGers. Right. What did he say? And he said that it's not something that he's super excited about, but that our personalities still make it interesting no matter what we're talking about. That's, I think that's, that's what he said. That's good feedback. Nice. Yeah. So I was pretty happy about that. And I, you know, that's kind of how I feel about other podcasts I listen to. So anyways, Josh, it was nice to meet you. And hopefully I'll see you at other conventions in the near future. So as with Gen Con, I decided not to get the board game library pass this time. And I brought my own game. So I had two bags of games brought in the car and played games with Esther and our friends Melissa and her sister Elizabeth, um, who, if you remember, we played games with Melissa last year. We just happened to run into like someone we knew, uh, and she came back this year. So I got to play some games with them. Now, I'm not going to go through every game I played. Instead, I'm going. I kind of categorize them. Well, first of all, let's talk about the magic number. So I played. I brought a bunch of magic number games. Oh. Um, it's hard to get Esther to play new games. 
Uh, so I only got two of those knocked off the list. Uh, one of those was Glenmore. It's a tile-laying game that is actually only available in German currently, but I bought it. I bought the German version because there's no text, and then there's like this aid you can use to translate the cards using the symbols, whatever. I played this game with Esther. She didn't like it, <laughs> so that was a failure. Uh, this game has a, it's a very highly rated game, but it has a uh, dummy player mechanic, and she just just hates it anytime it has a mechanic like that. And it's kind of weird because this game has that even at three players, it's only the four-player version of the game that doesn't have a dummy player. Hmm. Uh. But all the dummy player does is you roll a die, and then there's like these tiles around a track. You roll a die, you move the die that many spaces on the track, and you remove that tile. So it's just a way to get tiles out of the off the track. Because the way the game works is you're buying tiles to lay in front of you. They're in a circle, and you're kind of going around a circle on this track and collecting the tiles. And then every time you collect one, you refill, and you play until all the tiles are gone. And then the tiles give you special powers. It's actually a really cool game. But Esther was like yawning and oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a oh. bad sign. <laughs> so I'm out. That didn't go very well. But then I got to play the game Paydirt. Paydirt is the second design of Tori Neiman, designer of Alien Frontiers, my favorite Ooh. game. Ooh. Interesting. So this game is about mining for gold. And it was it kind of came out when that show was real popular. The it's a it's a show where it's like a reality show where it follows oh, these guys. Like the Bering Straits Gold. No, Rush? but that's the same Gold channel Rush. though. Gold Rush, yeah. yeah, Gold Rush. So I was really interested in that because I liked that show a lot. And this game was pretty good. It's not it's not nearly as good as Alien Frontiers. I played Alien Frontiers too, and Melissa actually liked Paydirt better. So, oh. uh, but in this game, you're just you're buying mines or um, digs or I can't remember what they call them, but you're buying places to dig for gold claims and then moving gold through your all your machines and whatever to, to to mine for gold later and you're you're trying to make this engine of mining for gold more efficient throughout the game by doing auctions and stuff it's a really it's a cool concept there's there's one mechanic that i really didn't like it was really hard to get the tiles that you needed because they had this auction mechanic there are like three categories of things you can auction it's like machines claims and um like some other thing and if you auction like a machine off, for example, then the next auction, you're not allowed to auction machines. And the other thing that's frustrating about it is if I start the auction, you know, I can start it higher than the minimum bid. But usually what happens is I'll, I'll bid the minimum and then I'll get outbid to the point that I can't even get what I want. And then the next person goes and they can't auction off the thing I want. So it just felt a little frustrating trying to get the tiles I wanted. But I, I'm, I think I'm going to bring this one now that I know how to play it. Uh, to one of our game nights, so you guys can give it a try. Pay Dirt, that one went over a little better than Glenn Moore for the magic number. So on to the categories. Best deal I found at Origins. Best deals. Is this on chicken nuggets? <laughs> no, I did not get chicken nuggets. Uh, so walking around the dealer hall, I found Mayfair Games, who usually sells games for ridiculously expensive prices and restricts people from selling their games at inexpensive prices. Had like this rack of games that were ten dollars and and lower, and some of them were like big box games. And there's a game on there called Walnut Grove, which is a game that I actually considered buying a long time ago and decided not to. But it's it's like the same artist. It's like the series of games that like Agricola is in has the same artist, like the same box. Like looks really nice on the shelf next to Agricola and the other games in that series. <laughs> So we bought it for $10 and immediately played it, and we both liked it, Master and I. 10 bucks. It's totally worth it. The number went up for about five minutes. It did. Yeah, right. It went exactly. up and then back down. So that was good. Uh, most disappointing game I played. 
Sorry, Tom Vassell. It was a Dice Tower Essentials game called Onitama. Onitama is a abstract strategy game. If you're not familiar with that term, like chess is an abstract strategy game. There's no, there's like no theme to the game. You're just moving pieces around in some strategic way to beat the other person. Onitama is supposed to be like for people who don't like chess but want to play something similar to chess. In other words, if you don't like playing chess because there's people who are crazy good at it because they memorize all the moves and whatnot, and you just kind of want to play tactically. So anyways, I thought I was going to like this game, and I didn't like it at all. So Onitama, I don't know. If you if you don't like chess because you just don't like that style of trying to strategically move your pieces in a way to like capture something, you're probably not going to like this game. Sorry, Tom. Vassal, I doubt you're listening. Anyways, uh, biggest surprise. There is a game I found that Esther actually found called Bin Fa. This is a remake of a old Avalon Hill game called Hexagony. So for any anyone out there who's an old Avalon Hill fan, you may have seen this game in its previous form. So the designer was there. It, he said he was an older gentleman by the name of Ken Hodkinson. And he was actually there demoing this new version of the game. He said it took him 40 years to design this game. And I got to play it against him. And I beat him. I don't know how mm. that happened. Maybe he did that on purpose. Yeah, he's <laughs> so I by it. Maybe, yeah, being nice. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It was just a cool experience. It was a surprising thing. And the game was you know, relatively inexpensive for other, uh, compared to other games that you would buy there. And because there was no text in it, it had like this Chinese theme. Esther was she like kind of wanted me to get this game to play it with her dad, who likes mm. you know like games like that. So I picked up a copy of Bin Fa and kind of excited to play that. If you've never heard of this game, it's Bin apostrophe Fa, but it's one word. Uh, you can look it up on Board Game Geek. Pretty interesting strategy game. And then last last category I've I've done is most played game since the convention. So. I picked up another game at the convention called Odin's Ravens, 2nd Edition. This is a remake of a Cosmos two-player game that was out, I don't even know when. There was like this two-player line of games that was out a long time ago. It went out of print, and then a few years ago, a company picked up the rights and did a Kickstarter for for this game, Odin's Ravens. And then it turned into this big controversy because the person running the Kickstarter just disappeared. And the, the game has never shipped, and it was like this big deal. Osprey Games picked it up. And one cool thing they did when they picked up the rights is they actually shipped games out to the backers of the Kickstarter, even though they had no involvement with that Kickstarter at all. Wow. So that's already cool. And the version of the game they made is, is really nice. Probably going to do a Ryan's review segment on this game. But it's a two-player game. It has, very, has simple rules, but there's a lot of strategy uh, to how you play. And it's a, I would say there's a lot of tactics to how you play. So I like tactical games. And Esther really liked this. The other night, I pulled this out, and we played it, and she wanted to play it. We actually ended up playing it three times in a row wow. by her her asking me to play. And I think it was because like she was, I was like barely beating her, and she really wanted to beat me. So <laughs> she wanted to keep going. But So a great game to add to the two-player line of games to play with your spouse. Now, other interesting things about Origins. The North Market, if you've never been to Origins... It's almost worth going just to go to the North Market. There's this, it's this giant like warehouse they have in downtown Columbus. It's right next to the convention center. I really wish Indianapolis had something like this. It would be perfect because you can like walk in and get like a quick lunch. And there's all these vendors that have that are selling food in this place, and they're all like different nationalities of food. So there's like Polish, Vietnamese, Indian, 
sushi, Italian, almost any 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 type of food you can imagine somehow is all jammed into this market. And it's like quick pick up and go type food. And they also have like the best ice cream place I've ever eaten at called Jenny's Ice Cream. Uh, Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream. Ever? Yes. Wow. It's the best ice cream I've ever had. Last year I, I, I got this ice cream and I was craving it for an entire year. Like when I would think of Origins, wow. this was like the first thing in my mind. Is like, I have to go get the ice cream again. And What's so special about it? I don't know. There's just something about this ice cream. It's amazing. If, you're, if You've got to go. There's actually some in Chicago. I almost went there on my lunch break the other day, even though it's a 40-minute drive, because I found out there's one in Chicago. Wow. There's actually two in Chicago. They put heroin in the ice cream. Yeah, they might. Be. So be. Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream was amazing. There's also this the Hubert's Polish Kitchen. They had this Polish place that's really good. I'm naming my four favorite places in there. There's a taste of Belgium. It's these Belgium waffles. These things are like, they like melt in your mouth. It's uh, I'm amazing. not sure Belgian waffles are actually Belgian. Well, it's Belgium. Is Belgian from Belgium? I don't know. Is then what's a Belgian ale? Is that the same thing? It's not yeah. the same thing as a Belgian waffle. But is it from the same place? I don't know. Probably. Is Belgian well, from, from Belgium? Do you have any yeah. friends from Belgium? Yeah. I mean, you we can need get a Belgian to, ale, so it's a Belgian. Write the show and help us out. So it was a, it's, it's these little waffles, and they're they're kind of expensive. It's like $12 for four of them, but they're they're really good. Tim Kelly wouldn't buy it. And then there's the North Market Spices. It's like this place where this guy just has like a whole plate, this whole store full of just different spices. So Esther bought a bunch of spices to cook with, and they're all delicious. So that do was they have a, cumin? Yeah, I'm sure they do. Do they, do they, have, do they have oregano? Yeah, spices. But he, he like makes spice blends too. It's really wow. good, really good spices. <laughs> so go to go to Origins, go to the North Market. Okay, now some things that I didn't like about Origins. Wait, there was things you didn't like? Yeah, one was they're doing construction in the convention center, and this wouldn't be that annoying except the construction area was right between the parking garage and where you would normally enter the convention hall. So we had to walk around this big construction zone and like really far away to get into the convention center. So it was kind of annoying, especially since I had bags of games in my car that I had to keep going out to, to, you know, get games to play. You know, there's like no warning about this anywhere on the origin site. I don't know. It was just annoying to me to show up and, and there's just like this construction everywhere. I don't know what they're doing. It didn't look like they're expanding because it was the area that normally had doors and entryways. So I'm not really sure what they were doing, but that was kind of annoying. The tables also annoying. So at Origins, they don't have like normal board game tables, you know, like rectangular flat tables. Instead, they have these rectangular tables that are real skinny and then they push two of them together. So in the middle, there's like this metal seam mm. from like these two where you would where you would set the board. So you set the board down and the board's like at an angle upwards, which drives me crazy. And then you're trying to set pieces on it and they're like sliding down the board. It was really obnoxious, and these tables are like splinter havens. They're they're not plastic, you know. Like normal tables are plastic, like folding tables. They're like tables from 1950 that are made out of wood that have like giant splitters at them. I got like a massive splitter in my hand, just like rubbing my hand across the table, and then it's like nicking up my cards and stuff. I don't know what you're doing at the convention center in Columbus, but buy some new tables, people. Come on, it's horrible. Any comments on the, on the tables? <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that <laughs> well, one. Well, <laughs> I imagine that both of those things played against each other because you got the seam and then here's you trying to adjust the game with your OCD and you're getting splinters in your hand. Yes. And it's, it's like a never-ending loop. It was horrible. 
I can't believe you didn't have like a play mat that you could lay down and alleviate some of the problem. Yeah. Maybe At least the splinter problem. <laughs> next year I'll bring a play mat. Tables. Tablecloth, maybe. Yeah. All right. Last thing that last complaint about Origins. Origins is a great convention, by the way, but you know, we're doing like the best and worst here. So the open gaming at Origins is uh, to be desired. Is that the right word? Little lacking. Lacking. Could be. What's wrong with it? So, so it's very small. So they have a, they used to have these like this open gaming area upstairs. That was gone because of the construction. And then the open gaming area in this giant gaming hall, you would think they'd have like a big area. It was like this little circle of, of tables, and that was it. I was like, where's the open gaming area? I was like, oh, it's that area there, that circle of tables that are full of people because it's so small. So I don't know. I, if you're doing a board game convention, I feel like you should have a big open gaming area for people to just sit down and play games. Right. That's the point. Yeah. It? So I, that was kind of frustrating. We ended up just sitting at tables that were owned by you know companies that apparently weren't using them. So it, it worked out, but they were those annoying tables so but origins still a great convention yeah, gen con had great open gaming areas yeah yeah gen con has that system where you can go to the the front and ask them for a table and reserve it like i don't know why they wouldn't just do something like that it just could be lack of space from construction maybe it'll all be solved next year because construction will be done and then yeah. more space will be available maybe. and if i go back they'll build a channel for the uh garage <laughs> to the hotel are you taking bets well the ice cream is there so i'll mm. probably he'll go i don't know i don't know he'll I, go We'll probably go. <laughs> Depends on if Esther wants to go. He'll convince her. All right. Magic number update after all that. I don't remember what it was last time. I think it was almost in the under 20. It's up to 24. It's 24 now? Yeah, it went up even after playing the two games. Wow. Some new acquisitions, obviously. Yeah. So one thing that's changed, though, with my, my list is I deferred a couple games that... Oh, this is the cheat mechanism again. Yeah. So I cheated by deferring two games that I'm going to get rid of. And there are like two really hard games to learn with ridiculous. Like one of the games doesn't even have a rule book in the box. It's a, it has a little piece of paper that says there's like a living rule book online, and then you go online. It's like a forty page rule book. It's not that big. It's pretty big for a board game. Wow. It's like a little so card what, what, game. What game is this? It's called Pax Porfiriana. So wow. I deferred it because I'm never getting that game to the table. So what the point I'm trying to make is the games that are on my list now are easier to get played. So although it's the number is higher, the potential of me finishing the list is actually also higher mm. now that these games are off the list. So we'll see. Well, we still have Pandemic Legacy. That's going to really put a damper on the whole system. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> Speaking of Pandemic Legacy, I didn't uh, have this yeah, in the spawn no. points. But uh, we, we, Chris, I don't know if we kicked him out or he quit. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I was kicked out. Uh, he wasn't kicked out. <laughs> okay. He definitely wasn't kicked out. So what, what, what did you, well... Chris has quit Pandemic Legacy for reasons. Um, yeah, I mean, Pandemic <laughs> Legacy, it was a pandemic on the gaming night for a while. Yeah. I mean, really, we we tried it. We played it. It was it was okay. We talked about this a couple podcasts ago where we broke down the difference between a game and a puzzle, right? <laughs> and, you know, because of the fact that all the cards are on the table, everything's open, yeah. there's no hidden goal, there's no traitor, there's you basically are as good as your best player. Which is pretty good in our there, case. Yeah, I mean, that's true. <laughs> but there's not a lot of decision-making on an individual basis to you know affect the outcome. 
So it turns into sort of like puzzle building. Anyway, we, we don't have to talk about the details of the game. But a couple of us, I don't know if I'm alone in this, yeah. but a couple of us sort of, you know, after is it two, three, three, game, three games, three. you know, we stuck with it for a while and you get to the point that you're, you turn around and you, you see other people playing another game and it looks like they're having fun. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're stuck in this. That's the fade. It's like Chris's life cycle. You yeah, talk about the fade. It's like yeah. the fade happened for just this one game. Well, I think he skipped the fade. He went right into No, uh, there's before fade, there's denial. Yeah. You never had denial. No, but you guys do. No, 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 no. Oh, that's the point of denial. Say, <laughs> say no again. <laughs> we'll see. Time will tell. But yeah, the fade happened, and then you know we tried that one last one, and we didn't win. But it doesn't really matter if you win or not as far as the, the fun of it. It just there wasn't a lot of thinking going on. Like It didn't feel like a game. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we're out. <laughs> so Chris and Dave both quit. You know about Dave. So Chris is in the same camp as Dave. Yeah, Dave, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You know, we talk about Dave on the podcast quite a bit. He's a character. He says to me, you know, we got to talk to Ryan and Tim about pandemic. I'm like, all right, you know, what, how do we want to bring this up? And so he kind of talks about, you know, some of the emails. He's like, go ahead and send them an email that, you know, we're sort of souring on the game, but we can, you know, maybe find some people to, to fill in, you know, because they could easily take our place and it'll be fine. And I'll just piggyback on that. So, okay, so I do. And then he, I, I send the email, and then he responds, oh, the game's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> he was backpedaling from the get-go. Yeah. I, I walked over to his desk because we, we worked together, and I said, dude, what the heck was that? <laughs> Which one did you just do? Threw you under the bus. He completely threw me under the bus. So, I mean, now, now that Ryan sent this note out to all the people in the pandemic game, which are basically the three of us plus Dave. Um, you know, if you guys want to bow out, that's fine. And Dave immediately is like, "Yeah, I, I would, I would, I elect to take the option of of not returning." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I released yeah. them from their obligation because yeah. I think there was some some guilt with leaving. Right? I assume. Yeah, the problem is it's not like so. If you go to a movie and it's bad, you can like walk out. <laughs> with Pandemic Legacy, you can't. You're sort of like locked in to this deal <laughs> you made. But you, you go to the movie and you have to sit through that one, then the sequel, then the third one, uh, and 12 more. Yeah. So it's tough because you don't want to bail on the on the group either. But at the same time, what's the point of game night? Is that fun? And you're not really having fun. So. so what I did debated, we've actually had a while since we played, and I've been mulling this over for a while, like the best way to handle it. So Tim and I both wanted to continue. Chris and Dave didn't really want to. I was almost debating just doing it solo because I, like, I, I gave the option of us showing up early to do it, and no one was taking that except Tim. So anyways, Tim and I will be continuing. So you will continue to hear about Pandemic Legacy, unless Chris is right and we are in denial and we have some revelation, find out we don't like the game. But we'll be recruiting, hopefully, some other players from our game group to continue with us. Couldn't you guys just play just the two of you, but just use all four characters? Yeah, yeah. you I mean, can easily do that. Yeah. yeah. Which but, is what the, that's like the no other alternative, that's what we're going to do. Right. And it really wouldn't be different. Except for Dave and I joking every now and then. Yeah, I mean, it's more fun yeah. if you have more people playing. But we're really not playing, though, from the sense that... <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, you and Dave weren't playing, but I think someone like Ahmad Tim, would be more involved. Yeah. Because I think for you guys, it was... I don't know if you were in, as invested. I think that was some of the reason why you felt like you weren't playing as much. I don't think you were as invested in t- discussing the strategy and the best move, which... It's understandable because I know a lot of discussion, for example, for Chris is a, is a problem in games just in general. But I think someone like someone who's really into co-ops like Ahmad, Ahmad, our friend Ahmad moved back from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New Jersey, close, uh, 
Wow. <laughs> Yo, somewhere on the East Coast. You came from the East Coast <laughs> you moved back, back to from, the Midwest. You know, somewhere, How much of that ice cream did you have? Somewhere by know. the ocean. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he's really into co-ops. Uh, I have a feeling that he'll be really into this and it will be a different experience. But who knows? We will find out. Pandemic Legacy to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. All right, that's enough. It's time to move on. To <laughs> that's how we're ending. Fun. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Ryan has declared it over. <laughs> it's time for some fake it till we make it. Fake it till we make it. To be a great champion, you must believe you are the best. If you're not, pretend you are. Fake it till we make it. Fake it till we make it. Question one. How do you deal with loud, obnoxious people at the game store? You know, it's interesting because as we began this segment, the sun moved down and is now shining brightly in my eyes. <laughs> so that may affect my response to the question. Do you question. want me to put the blinds down? No, no, let's go with it. I just want to go with it and see how long I can take it. So it's about 730 and the sun is like just peeking over the horizon right in my eyes. Okay. How do you deal with a lot of obnoxious people at the game store? You know, it's an interesting question because I think isn't that always happening? I mean, you're at the game store. What kind of people does the game store attract? Loud and obnoxious people. So, you know, it depends on why they're being loud and obnoxious because, you know, if they're are they arguing over like the price of a game like something Ryan might do or are they are they talking about how something could be packaged better? Like, what would be an example of why they would be loud and obnoxious? So one example could be just because they're excited about the game they're playing. Oh, so loud and obnoxious, but not in a negative way. Sort of like excitement overload. Yeah, and I honestly, I don't know if obnoxious, that would be more loud than obnoxious. I feel like I actually split these into two different things. Because you could be loud without being obnoxious, right? I don't know. I'm squinting a lot, though. Obnoxious, <laughs> obnoxious people, to me, would be like they're being rude or maybe they're swearing a lot. They're not the way that they're acting is not taking into account that there's other people around them that they're affecting. So my mom used to be a customer service representative for United Airlines when she first joined the company because she was addicted to flying. That's another story. And she had to go through this class on how to deal with annoying people and how to diffuse obnoxious behavior, typically on the phone. And it was kind of interesting. There's an art to it. You know, you try to identify with them. What's your problem? Get them talking. Can I help you, sir? Is there an issue? The other thing is to say what a lot. What? Like have them repeat it. Repeat why they're upset. The more they repeat it, the they start calming down. Really? If, yeah. I was, if I was upset about something and you kept saying what, I would get louder. Well, you don't yeah. just keep saying what. You just ask them, could you say that again? Oh, like, you don't go what, what exactly did you mean? I thought you actually... Just get them to repeat it. I see. Repeating okay. becomes exhausting and they'll slowly simmer down. <laughs> uh, we'll get more annoyed. <laughs> no, believe it or not, it works. I've tried this out. I've tried it. So the other thing is ask them your, their name. Volunteer your name if necessary. Once they've, they say their name, they feel more of a connection and don't want to have a anonymous bad behavior as much. And if it if it comes to the point that you know you really need to engage the person because they're causing a scene and everybody wants this diffused, you know, just ask them what is their goal, what do they want, and then ask them if what you're doing now will give you what you want because it usually won't, and then they'll they'll get it. Okay. And I think in a, especially in a gaming store, a lot of those people are probably pretty bright, quirky bright, and may chill after that. So I kind of want to go to a game store now with you and get in this situation and then have you try these things. Because that would be really interesting to w- observe. Can we record it like for yeah. the podcast? Yeah, I'll bring the mics 
And just in case <laughs> there's a loud, obnoxious person there, which chances are, you know, we should go on like a Friday night because Friday night magic will be going on. Guaranteed we'll find someone that, that we can try this with. You know, so Friday I'm, night magic, I might want to play. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where did Chris go? Where, our experiment. It's gone. What's he doing? Shot. What's your guys' answer? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's like a common thing at the stores because most people are coming there because this is like the one place they can play because they don't necessarily have their own gaming group. So this is kind of like their gaming group. So, but you know, first thing I would do is I, I would try to actually get the store owner involved first and let him try to diffuse it. It's his environment he wants to keep. And then it keeps bad feelings out from people that are playing there so that, you know, there's not a conflict between two players that maybe come there all the That's time. That's true. So see what the, you know, see what the store owner is going to be willing to do. And then if he's not really willing to step in or something, yeah, I mean, approach try to be as nice as you can explain that he's being distracting and stuff and you know just try to just just be nice i mean you got to be as nice as you can because obviously he's either fired up because he's losing maybe he's getting ganged up on and he's just getting frustrated and starting to hit the table or you know whatever the the action is just try to be nice about it say hey you know we're trying to do this over here it's very distracting and see how it goes so i have some i have some crossover with tim actually i didn't take a class on Diffusing situations. So I did one on diffusing bombs, but not people. <laughs> we should I, talk about that. I know That's how to diffuse oils, like essential diffuse. oils. First of all, I split up into loud or obnoxious. So if they're just being loud, it could just be because they're having fun playing a game. And I actually would be happy about that. People are like having fun. Like maybe it's like there's like a stand up die roll moment. Everyone cheers or something like that. Like that's being loud, but I don't think that's being obnoxious. Yeah, but I think it's being loud all through the night. One, you know, one, one spurt jump up. Hey, it's not. The key word it's, in the figure to make repetitive. a question is obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. it's repetitive. Yeah. So I mean, he's standing up and yelling and cheering all the time. That's getting to the point of obnoxious. You say, look, you know, great, you're having fun, but, you know, we're all hearing about it too, and I'm glad you're doing well, but, you know, let's try to keep it, uh, <laughs> keep the volume down. So if they're being rude or swearing a lot, those are the things that would annoy me. I think what I would do is I would first maybe just politely ask them, like Tim's saying, to, you know, to tone it down. If they aren't willing to do that, I would talk to the store owner. And just ask him to, can you do something about this? Now, if the owner just decided not to do anything, I'd probably leave. Because if, if it's to the point that it's it's interfering with me having fun, like, what's the point? I'll just go home and play games, you know? So I, I would leave, and I probably wouldn't come back either. It, it really depends on how the store owner would react to me asking him to do something. At the very least, the store owner should at least go over and say something. Yeah, I mean, it's in, it's in his best interest to make the environment good for everybody because if it's not, people will stop coming back. And a lot of them depend on, you know, those magic nights, those X-Wing nights, people coming in and buying stuff while they're there. So he's going to want to make it an environment everybody wants to be in. So that's why that's, why that's my first, first stop before I even get involved. Okay. Because then he can put it really generic. You know, several people have complained. You're being really loud. You know, can you just keep it down? I, you know, you're having fun. That's great. But, you know, there's others here, you know. And then it's a very store owner to someone that's coming there and visiting. And there's no strife out in the uh, the gaming public. Question two. What do you do when you attack someone in a game and they take it personally? I love this question. Okay. Love this question because it's something we don't talk a lot about is, you know, you talk about, uh, they would say don't be a sore loser and stuff like that. But there's something about being a gracious winner too. And I think it's just as important, if not more important, to win gracefully. And there's some of us in our group, Tim is one, I'm another, and I think Chris Johnson is, is a third, who have an issue when we're attacked, especially if it doesn't seem without provocation. So I think, I think there is an element where 
when you do go after somebody in a game, maybe you don't have to like apologize necessarily, but just kind of say, you know, sorry, this is, here's why I'm doing it. And kind of explain when I attacked Tim in the one game, I, I pointed to all his pieces on the board and I was, I was, even if I'm not right about it, because we could debate over whether he was really the, that far ahead, I'm at least explaining my reasons for it. And they, it's not out of some sort of weird uh, malice or random thing, or I'm getting him back for a previous game or something. There's a method behind it and it has to do with me trying to win. And so I think that you can be respected more as the attacker if you sort of explain yourself when you go after somebody in a game because there is an element to being a gracious winner in that case here's an example in that pirate game what was the name of that 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 lame <laughs> one no i know what you're talking about black i can't sea. think of the name yeah black, black black flag or something no that's that's a bug killer <laughs> is it black seas it's a, it's a um, I can't something like that freaking name of it why ryan save us yeah so ryan every time he would attack one of our ships he would say die and then he'd just like flip the ship over <laughs> And Chris Johnson and I kind of looked at each other and we were like, all right then. And we spent the rest of the game going after Ryan for, for the lack of tact. Yeah. And I think... Tim won. It was funny. Of course. <laughs> um, but, but I think that's why I like the question because I think in a lot of games, there is, you know, attacking. I mean, you go after people, it's part of the game. Yeah. You expect to do that. But there, there's times you can you could be more gracious than others, time and place and the, the way the game is setting up. Well, I think there's, there's two. This is, this is taking it beyond... The game, so I'm I'm very I'm very loud, and very boisterous during the game and stuff when I'm getting attacked and you know trying to trying to get myself on the better side of the battle stuff like that. But once the game's over and I've you know my face has been smeared on the ground and stuff like that, it's done. It's those people that go, oh, you know, three of you attacked me this game and it obliterated me. Next next game, I don't care what's going on. I'm gonna just pound you. So it's that it's that cross game where the problem is. So that's becoming way more personal, and it's it's more of a affront on them. Of it's not the game; it's you are attacking me, and trying to defuse that's a lot harder. Just doing it in the game, it's like okay, this is a game. Your reasons were poppycock, but you know you had your reasons for doing it. But if I were to be mad and during the next game and be like, okay, well, Chris attacked me, uh, so this game, I'm just gonna make sure my goal is Chris does not win the rest of the night. And, you that's know, bad. That's, that's, that's really bleeding, bad. That's, that's bleeding from bleeding. in game to out of game. And that's where, yeah, that's where I think, yeah, you kind of put the the kid gloves on because you you know it's it's usually a personality. You you know a person. You, you can beat the crowd out of me, and I'm going to complain the whole game. But when the game's <laughs> done, I'm done. You know, it's, the game's over. I'm good. Till you talk about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but then I'm just talking about it. There's, there's no. I'm not upset about. It. I'm like, you know, next yeah. next month, Chris. You're dead. Yeah, I don't you think know, we have anybody like no, that. No, no. So, I mean, when that starts happening, you know, I've seen it where, where, you know, there's been someone like that. And what ends up happening is everybody stops attacking them because it's it's so painful to hear yeah. the ramifications of you doing an attack that almost everybody just leaves them alone. And then that's not good because then there's no balance. Everybody's attacking each other except this one person who's just building things up. As long as it's all in game. I mean, it, it, that's just key. Is it's got to stay in game. The point about it bleeding to other games is bad. That, that's yeah. a sign of a more significant problem. Yeah. I think sometimes if you attack somebody, like in the pirate example, and then you go after the person that attacked you, that's all in game. Yeah, like you can even get into the theme a little bit and, and you know just say you know we're you know we're sailing against you. We're going to get our revenge. Yada yada. But then you don't want it to bleed over, right? And, right. I mean, when Ryan was flipping the ships, it was funny. <laughs> and it actually, Not to me, it really exactly. It really was. But then you know, after the game was done, you you were fine. Yeah. I mean, it was there was no, there was no bleed over. So, right. so Ryan, what do you think? <laughs> so, by the way, the name of that game is Black Fleet. Black Fleet. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. I had to look it up on my phone while you were talking. So I wasn't listening to your answer, Tim. Sorry. Oh, Might be some overlap. 
So this is a tough one for me because games are supposed to be fun. And if someone isn't having fun for any reason, like in my if I'm playing in the game, it will bother me even if I don't think them reacting to it personally is justified. It will still bother me that they aren't having fun. Um, so I'll, I'll try to do something to remedy it, like maybe try to be funny or diffuse it somehow. You know, Team that up way. with them. Yeah. But I think what I would want to know is, is it a is this a pattern with this person or are they just having a moment? Because I think we've all had moments of reacting to something that happened in a game and taking it personally, but then we kind of get over it. But if it's continuously happening, I, it, that's harder to deal with because then you kind of don't want to play games with that person. Yeah, I think you put their torch out and send them home. Yeah, so the tribe is spoken. But I had the same thing Chris did as I would try to explain my reasoning, like why I was attacking someone. And if, if they still had an issue, even if I didn't think I did anything wrong, I would still apologize afterwards just to try to make it better. So I've, like I've, I've shed a little tear as yeah. you're removing his pieces from the game yeah. board. <laughs> afterwards, not during. Oh, not during. Okay. I have an interesting story about this, by the way. So I was at a convention. This is a long time ago uh, when I was living in California, when I was really into Munchkin. Munchkin. So I was playing Munchkin at a convention. Now, if you ever played Munchkin... The entire point of the game is to yeah. jack with people. Yep. Gank. I mean, that's the whole point of the game. So there's a guy I didn't know. He was in playing our game. And he was fighting a monster. And I just was like trying to get everyone to pile on this guy. And he got really upset. And, and he was like, why are you? He asked me, why are you attacking me? And I thought he was just like kind of playing along. I was like, because I, I don't want you to, to win the fight. You know, I was kind of like being a, like kind of cocky to him. And he, he got really upset. He actually threw his cards out and left the game. And, and I was like kind of like shocked by that. Wow. And so after, after the game was over, I found this guy. He was like, he was sitting at a table by himself kind of sulking. And I went up to him and I, and I apologized to him. And he didn't even like make eye contact with me. So I, I apologized oh. to him like twice and I tried really hard to just diffuse it. And he was just like, he just like shrugged me off basically. Wow. So he did, he didn't get over it. It is wow. like, he took it personally and it carried, he left the game and like, I probably still hates me to this He's day. probably still sitting at that table. <laughs> he, might, he might still be there. <laughs> I've done that too. There was games of werewolf where I voted people out Yeah. or, you know, led the vote against him or, or uh, piled on and they were, they were innocent. And then I would find them afterward and apologize yeah i don't know why i just have the the urge to do that because it's like uh, i screwed up and now you didn't get to play yeah so that's it for that Uh, that's the way it'd be that's another great closing line (laughs) that's That's it it for that that. we're done with that segment when it's done speaking of things that we shouldn't have been done with (laughs) let's go back to the listener question that we skipped listener question Kenneth Spawn the Prophet left us a voicemail again. A voicemail? A voicemail. The line is still active. Wow. So I'm going to play that voicemail for you right now. Kenneth Spawn the Prophet here. Sorry, it sounded very strange to call myself that. Hey, congratulations on the podcast being awesome still after all this time. I've got a request here. One, let's have a Gen Con meetup with OOG podcast and fans. Uh, I mean... Certainly, I can't be the only one who wants something like that. Second, I think it's about time you guys increase the frequency of this podcast. Just whatever other things you have to do in your life, just kind of put those on hold. Let's do two a month. That should probably be enough to get me by. Third request, I think it's time for a spinoff podcast with uh, just Chris reading the flavor text from rule books for various games. Just single episode, you know, 30 seconds to two minutes. I could just play them for 
my friends or while I try to go to sleep. That'd be fantastic. Anyway, keep gaming. Peace out. Oh, the prophet so, has spoken. Yes, he has. Sounds like he wants some snoozing material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Does that mean that I'm boring or that I have no, a I soothing think, voice? I, I think it's that soothing, your soothing sultry voice. You know what's funny about this? Let's, ta- let's tackle this question first Okay. of the three. So okay. when I listen to these, I don't know if our listeners agree, but I hear all three of our voices, and I think it's normal not to like the sound of your own voice. That's like a thing, right? I don't like my voice. I think your guys' voice are way better. They're more pleasant to hear. You sound like really upbeat. I don't like, I don't like, I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way? Do you dislike your own voice? Or you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm in really good well, form tonight. I've been meaning to tell you, Chris, but I don't really like your voice. Yeah. Either. So I'm right. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I actually like your voice. Like uh, when I'm listening to like the RPGs, for example, that we record. It's like it's like listening to a someone who reads audiobooks for a living as the GM. Because uh, <laughs> so okay, when Ken asks this question, I'm thinking, damn, I'm boring. <laughs> oh my god, he wants to use me as a cure for insomnia. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. Every bad thing I thought about my voice is true. Maybe we should have you read flavor text from rule books. We could try it out. That could be a new segment. You could do, you could do a couple test things. <laughs> you know, you, you could do that for like six hundred years just by reading flavor text off magic cards. That would be that would put people to sleep. That probably it? would. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Except when it's like the goblins and oi 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 oi. To answer the question though, Kenneth, I don't think that would be a spinoff podcast because there's no way you're going to get Chris to edit anything. <laughs> So, so if anything, it could become a segment on the show. Yeah, there'd be a lot of eating, drinking yeah. during the, the talking, a lot of choppy action. Yep. Survivor noise in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of rustling of plastic bags of chocolate peanuts. We have to be careful when we answer questions from the prophet because he's the prophet. It's true. And so far the prophet has been true. So well, I, I could see this one kind of coming, like you said, there's just a little segment of a flavor text that Chris reads and Ryan edits. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to hear actually, something from the audience on this. Uh, maybe we should do a poll. Yeah, let's there do a poll. Go. Is my voice boring or soothing? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> I thought that thought the poll was more of you reading flavor text. Well, if it's soothing, then I'll do it. All right. I'll read the flavor text. What happens boring, I don't want to. So now the other questions. So first, let's talk about the Gen Con meetup. We do want to do this. I don't know if it would be a meetup in the sense of like the Secret Cabal has a huge organized event where they invite tons of tons of people show up and they give away games and stuff. Yeah, we're not quite at that level. I think a meetup for us will be like maybe we'll tell you where we're going to breakfast, and you guys can come find us at the breakfast place. Yeah, we have a place we eat. I don't know if, if future Ryan wants to put that in there, but but we we love this place. We <laughs> uh-huh. we went there every morning. I think yeah, last, Almost, last yeah. trip. And you know, we, if we know we're going to be there, I called it the Pistachio uh, Cafe. It was something like yeah, that. it was like the pistachio, but it, that's not really what it is. You know, future Ryan will help, and we could tweet out you know exact times and things like that. We could do that. Yeah, so I think that's probably what we do. I don't know how many of our listeners are going to be at Gen Con for one. Uh, the other option is one or two of us, maybe three, if I can convince one of the three of us, uh, will be working at the Dice Tower booth uh, at least one hour during the convention, maybe two, and you guys could come by and see us there. So one of us might miss out on that, maybe two of us. 
But one of us will be there of the three of us. Which means Ryan. Wow, this is very cryptic. <laughs> this is like a puzzle. So Jen coming up, we'll we'll send out more details through social media and the and the guild when we have exact details on dates and times. Because this will this episode is going to post before Jen Con and our next one's going to post after. And to the frequency of the podcast to two a month. So I guess I need to explain kind of our thinking on the podcast in general. When we want when Chris and I set out to make this podcast, we we wanted to make sure that this remained a hobby and never felt like work. And be, with that in mind, to have sustainability in the podcast, we don't keep to any sort of rigorous schedule. Uh, we try to keep it as fun and easy for us as possible because if it became like work, it would not be sustainable and we would burn out. That was kind of the framework for the podcast from the beginning. Recording The recording is takes up time and the editing takes up time. And I honestly, the editing is probably the biggest killer for me is, you know, every episode is there's just a lot of editing. I just don't have enough time to edit more than one a month. But what we are going to do, and I think it's something that we're hoping that you guys will appreciate, is I, I'm going to start posting on a regular schedule of Right now, it'll be the second Monday of the month, so you can expect the podcast to come out. And in between the regular podcast, I'll still be doing some Ryan Review segments. I do have some games in the queue to review for those, so you can listen to those kind of in between the, the main episodes. If that's something that that the prophet is demanding. This is the thing about prophets, though. They don't demand. They just tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> that's true. You know, a year from now, we might be posting two episodes a month and not even realize what happened. It really comes down to your editing schedule, because getting together for this is the easier part. It's yeah. all the post-editing that you go through that would make... Yeah, one every two weeks kind of hectic for you. Yeah, but I think the consistent posting is really important because I'm even pointing going, when's the next one coming out? It seems like it's been like you know a year and a half, and yeah. we've gone a couple of long ones. But yeah, if it's a consistent Monday, second Monday of the month, I think that's at least something you can look forward to. Yeah, so we'll try that for now. So Kenneth, I guess the answer to your question is we're saying no, but we kind of have a feeling that. Somehow, the, your words will speak true. I think one at is, some point, I think one every two weeks would be really nice. At some point, yeah, you know, you know what's going to happen. It's All three of his it. suggestions are going to happen. <laughs> See, what you need to do is you need to get Chris involved in some editing, uh, and then I, I don't mind a little editing. That would that would involve me giving up control to him. Well, see, but he could, he could, he could, you could, you could farm this out as the leader. He could edit it, turn it back into you, and you could go crap and send it back. You know, oh, yeah, uh, that, that'll go over really well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I well, you gotta, maybe you just got to teach him. He could just for do anybody, segments for anybody segments. who doesn't know. And get, this, you know, this is a big secret, but Ryan is by far running this show. I mean, <laughs> to the point. Yes. There was one time we had this great picture of the three of us. I mean, it's it's a great picture of us playing. What's that really long, annoying game? Caverna. Caverna. Caverna yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an action shot of us playing. It's the three of us all on one side, and I'm like Ryan, you know, we, this is perfect for posting on the either the Facebook page or the website or something. And he refuses. The resolution's to do it. too low. Oh my gosh. Sometimes so, good resolution's not it's good. It's on um, it's on our Google. I think it's on our Google. It's I have it posted somewhere. Uh, we need to recreate obscure. that picture. It's like our best picture that we have. I know. I agree us. that it's the best picture. The resolution's too low. It's not. It's too it, it just needs to be cropped so that the shape fits because then it doesn't stretch and pixelate. 
Uh, well, anyway. Maybe you can help me do that, the cropping. Mm, I, oh, there you go. So I have a task. You've got a task. I've been delegated upon. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get a little approval workflow here going. Yeah, speaking of delegating, if I could just get someone to take the raw footage and edit out all the sp- all the gaps in time, the throat clearing and the ums, and then give it back to me, and I could the just, ums? and I could just put in the like the transitions. I mean that that'd be like twenty minutes of work. It's it's the editing out all the space and all the junk. I want That's creative a, control. So how, how do you? Uh, so I mean, when you're doing that, is it just you're, you're chunking and it's going back together, or? So the process is, I'm lis- I'm I'm listening in real time. This is all going to be cut out. Any, anytime there's an um, I have to pause it. I have to stop it. Actually, go delete the um, rewind, and then make sure, and then replay it, and make sure it sounds okay without the um. And I've actually there's been painful. there's sometimes that Chris tells stories in a non-linear fashion, <laughs> and I and I make them linear. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll edit his stories and put That's them in like sound linear better. order. Wow. <laughs> because it's like he's just like all over the place. Could you write a piece of software to remove ums? I was thinking about the it. Yeah, um negator. But then we would have removed this whole segment because we keep saying um. That's true. <laughs> it would have clipped Well, it you out. just you just clipped out the little um. The de-ummer. Yeah. You could call it the de-ummer. Yeah, the ummification. Yeah. Then you could sell it to all the other podcasts. No, never. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Someone could buy us out. I'd be okay with that. Then you could do it full time. Then you have no price. It's over. It's over. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, did I skip any other segments? I don't think so. No, we're way out of order. You know, we so. even went out of order. Yeah, on wait. Kind of so it's the new over? me. It's the new me. I'm, so, wait. Okay. Now, based on that comment, are you going to clip this and put this before the other one? I might. <laughs> I might because that's where it is on the agenda. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> You could just alterate the alter your word doc and just cut and paste it above. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to edit out the word alterate that you just said. I'll have to edit it so it, it sounds like you just said you're gonna have to alter the doc the document. So I'll have to edit that too. I said doc document, I have to edit out the doc now. Wow. That's what editing's all about. <laughs> We're way down the rabbit hole wow. now. All right. It's time uh, for some table talk. Table talk. I'm Eric Summerer, and you're listening to Out of Game, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Yeah. It just got real. Find this and other great podcasts at Dicetowernetwork.com. Table Talk. Cult what? of the Insane. Yeah. <laughs> In this episode's Table Talk, we're going to talk about the long-debated labels of Cult of the Old versus Cult of the New. And I'm adding one called Cult of the Next. The Next. So, Cult of the Old. Now, this is I'm calling this the out-of-game definition because I didn't look up any online definitions. This is based on... Our slash, well, mostly my interpretation. My interpretation of what Cult of the Old is. Thank you. Cult of the Old is gamers who mostly like and want to play older games. Simple definition. Cult of the New definition there is gamers who mostly like and want to play games that have just come out or the new hotness. Now, Cult of the Next, this is the, the weird one. So Tom Vassell has actually referred to this as Cult of the Future, which I think is a stupid name for it. So I'm re-terming it Cult of the Next. Cult of the Next is gamers who are only excited and interested about games coming out in the future. Okay. So we're going to talk about all three of these and maybe there's some good and bad things about these and where do we fit into to these three categories. So let's start with Cult of the Old. Cult of the Old. So these are the people who only like old games. Yeah. And I think when we first started, when you first started getting me into this hobby, I fell into this category. I liked games that I knew. I really didn't like playing new games. You know, you'd show up with the new boxes and you, you want to start teaching the rules and uh, rules. 
Rather than just playing a game that I knew that I knew was going to be fun and that I really liked last week, it was, wasn't until later, the time went on, that I started liking the new game. So Cult of the Old, there's some positives to this. I think that you have guaranteed fun. If there's a game that's old, you know that you like it. I mean, if we sat down to a game of Kalos, for example, we know that we're going to enjoy this game. We've never played this game and had it not be somewhat fun. It's a game we all know. We don't have to relearn it. The positives of Cult of the Old is that it's you're, there's more of a guarantee that you're going to have an enjoyable time. You're not going to waste time either. You're not going to be having to listen to rules. You're spending more time playing the game versus learning the game. You know, the negatives are really old games get stale. People's behavior and strategies are repetitive. And as the more time goes on, the game loses its luster. So eventually Cult of the Old, and Ryan could correct me if I'm wrong, ha- it will wear off on just about everybody just given time and repetition. All right, Tim, uh, what are your thoughts? What are some positives of Cult of the Old? I don't know that I can add much more than what Chris Chris said. I mean, it's guaranteed enjoying experience because you've played it. I think, too, people are on probably at a more level playing ground because everybody's played it, everybody's used to it, everybody's seen your strategies. So it's not like someone has a lot more experience at the game and is going to win because you've all played the game about the same amount of time. So mm-hmm. the negatives, I guess, is, is, is the same thing. It's the same strategies probably going to get played out over and over again. Someone's going to play a game and know what strategy they're going to play, and that's the one that they've played 37 times. And used to have this problem with Magic that uh, I had one of my buddies that he had about 10 set decks. New cards would come out, and he would go, oh, these three cards look good, sub them into the deck he's already been playing and just make that deck a little different and a little better. And when you sat down, it's like you played the same 10 decks. You never like did anything mm-hmm. different. So it got, it definitely wears out after a while. So I think that's the big negative. So I'm curious, what are your cult of the old favorites? In other words, what are your favorite old games that we play? What are I would some- say the games that we're really familiar with where you don't really need the rules read again, like Cyclades is one. Yeah. Uh, Kalos that we mentioned, Alien Frontiers, right? That's that's a good one. A lot Dead of, the, of Winter, Dead of Winter, which is weird because that was you know last year a new game. Now we're already right. calling it an old game. Which I wanted to comment on your point that it would get stale for people. It really depends on how how far back you're going and what you define as old versus new. Because in this industry, it seems like a year becomes old. I mean, games that came out a year ago, there's only a handful that still are getting buzz now. And those are the ones that you see are going to be coming out with expansions. That's a, that's a sign that a game still has staying powers if they start releasing expansions for it. And you'll, you'll see a lot of games, they, you know, they were maybe hot a year ago, and now no one's talking about them. Everyone's talking about all the new stuff. Now those games are considered old. To well, you know what's a, poor, a sign of a poorly designed game? This is off, off track a little bit, is if you have an old game, and you still need to look at the rules for it. Yeah. Like Battlestar Galactica was a was in that. You know what else? Seven Wonders, honestly, because those symbols are so dumb. <laughs> that you, you know, you play that game, and if you go more than a few weeks before you've played it again, you need to look them up. I mean, they, what does this little guy with the arrow mean? Because they don't have text in addition to the symbols, and we talked about that in another You heard another it here episode. first, folks. Seven Wonders is a poorly designed game. Well, if you have to read the rules, it, we played that game, I've played that game personally at least 20 times. If I have to look up the rules again when I'm playing it, there's something wrong. Well, you're, you're referencing symbols, not rules. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the base game, the symbols are fairly clear. It's when you start adding some of their expansions, that which we do. We we play a lot of expansions. There's, there, that's where it definitely gets unclear is with their expansions because mm-hmm. now there's literally one symbol that means one thing for one card, and it's like BSG is way worse because you really have to look up the rules themselves. It's not just oh, I don't remember what the symbol means. It's like I don't remember how the movement works for the Cylon ships, and I don't remember what number the base stars hit on. When I roll, I, like that to me is a better. Uh, That's oh, more frustrating. Yeah, it, th- that happens a lot in some of these older games. Yeah. I think mine is probably Kalis. Out of well, the games on my shelf that I would consider old, that's probably still well, Camelot, my maybe. favorite one. Yeah, only Kalis. I mean, if you guys remember, like in our game group, Kalis is really like Kalis and BSG are like the original two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we were playing those every game night. It was one or the other. And it was really, I think it was me that started forcing upon you guys more games through conventions. Like, I remember Seven Wonders, I brought to, the, to Gen Con one year, and we played it on the sun. We always played that game on Sunday before we leave. That was the first time we ever played it. And then that ended up becoming a staple in the group after that. True. Alien Frontiers, I think I showed you guys at Gen Con again uh, one year, and then that became a staple. So... Uh, but I think Kalos is still kind of my original favorite. So for me, positives, just to add to what you guys said, well, one about the strategies, I think when you play games over and over, because you like older games, you can learn deeper strategies of games. You know, if you're like me, you kind of play games once or twice and move on. I'm not really getting deep strategy, you know, out of those games. But like games like Kalos and Puerto Rico, Agricola that I've played a lot, I have I have discovered deeper strategies the the more times that I've played them. So that, that's, I think, one advantage. I think another one is your magic number is probably staying at zero if you're Cult of the Old. That's very true. Is that a positive? Yeah, that's a positive, right? Well, does it matter? Yeah, it matters. You have unga- unplayed games on yourself. Those need to be played. So your magic number stays at zero if you stick with Cult of the Old? Yeah. No, I mean, that has nothing to do with buying new games. You could still buy new games. No. In fact, Cult of the Old is going to make your magic number go up. No, 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 no. Cult of the Old is like you don't even care about the new games. You just play all the stuff you already have. So the magic number stays at zero. Yeah, let's read but, the definition. But, but maybe they're like you where they this new game looks great. They buy it. They stick it on their shelf. And then they go, oh, yeah, I'm just going to play Kalos again. So here's the way we define it. Gamers who mostly like and want to play older games. Yeah. So that means the majority are old. It, you still, you know, you see a new game <laughs> in the store and you're going to pull the trigger, but you're just not going to play it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not sure about that. In my mind, cult of the old people. Well, where, where do you fall on the cult? Oh, well, that'll become clear in a, in a, in a, well, in a few minutes. Cult here. of the new, right? I also think because you're not buying a lot of games, you're saving a lot of money as cult of the old. But Chris would disagree, apparently. Cult of the insane. <laughs> <laughs> now, negatives. I think net some negatives are the board game industry is constantly evolving. And if you just want to play older stuff, you're kind of missing out on those new mechanisms, new exciting things that are coming out. So I, I do think that you're missing out on a lot because a lot of cool new stuff is, has been happening. Also, if you're not really caring so much about new stuff coming out, then maybe some people don't care about this, but you really probably won't be in touch with like the industry itself. Like if, if part of the hobby, if part of the hobby for you is staying kind of in touch with what's happening in the industry, more than likely if you're cult the old, you don't care. So you're, you're missing out on that part of the hobby. I think the last thing is 
maybe this is kind of similar to what Chris said, but I don't think a majority of gamers are cult of the old. So you, it might be more difficult for you to find people to game with if you just always want to play older stuff. And I think the evidence of that is how much the hobby is growing. The hobby is growing. More people are coming in because of all the new stuff. And I doubt those people, for the most part, are wanting to play older games. So cult of the old, that's what we think about that. How about cult of the new Again, cult of the new gamers who mostly like and want to play games that have just come out. Ryan. Or the new hotness. Right. The new hotness. So obviously the positives here, chance to experience something new and exciting. I mean, like you just said, the new games are coming out. They're cranking them out like never before. And a lot of them are really good. There's a lot of talented designers. So you get to experience a new game. Um, and then for some of us, there's the click foria, <laughs> which you get from a new game, which Ryan can talk more about. Personally, I don't experience that i don't know no nah, no nah. but i do enjoy <laughs> the new you know playing a new game and especially if it's fun and the mechanic is interesting and you know uh, learning some of the new themes sometimes when you hear about a game you're excited i remember being really excited about dead of winter when you, we were reading about it finally getting to play it that's fun but the click for you i don't know i think that's there's a cult of the click for you out there nah, <laughs> there's like a cult. subset of people that <laughs> That get that. So the negatives, you know, there's a chance that you're wasting time because the game isn't good. So you're trying a new game and either you don't like the game or maybe somebody in the group that's playing it doesn't like it. And either way, the game experience is kind of ruined versus, you know, the game that you know is going to be fun. So there's that risk. Um, New games tend to be less fun because the first game is a throwaway. So what was the, that game we played at your place with the food where you're building? Food chain magnet. Food chain magnet. Good game. I mean, bought it, it. Yeah, I could see. I could see why there's such appeal for it. But the game itself was a throwaway. Yeah. And we it, it was it went on quite a while. We didn't even we finish the game. Yeah. But it, it was a fun game. It's just that playing that game the second time is better than playing it the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think you could say that with a lot of games, except for maybe Tim, who the first time he plays it. It's really like the 90th time I've played it. Actually, it makes sense that Tim doesn't get Clickforia because it happens to him when we open the box. <laughs> Clickforia is, you know, when the strategy kicks in. And Tim, you know, he doesn't experience that. He just knows intuitively. Right. So maybe Chris, maybe you just never get it? No, I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't get it where I get when the, the rules and theme come together and I can start thinking of a strategy, but there's no pleasure from it. What? That's the part that I don't get. It astounds me. Yeah. So like when you try a strategy and it works and you win, there's like no pleasure from that? No, there's pleasure from that, but that's not what Clickforia is. Okay. Clickforia and Ryan, you know, why don't you just explain? Clickforia is that moment in the game when you get over the rules and you like the strategy clicks and you're instead of focusing on remembering the rules, it's just all focused on the strategy. It's like you're riding that the moment in the bike game. And your parents let go and you're you're riding. Gosh. Gotcha. So there's you're 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 on your own now. So it's like that's like the moment when you get the game itself, like you get the theme, you get you get what they're trying to do, like what the game's offering. I don't have any pleasure from that. I think the thing with me is, I'm annoyed. There's like this annoyance as I'm listening to the rules, and then that annoyance is gone. But it's not like oh, you know what I I think. And the sun is like down now. It's like it's half down, and so I'm 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 liking that. So halfway, I think maybe I have a theory as to why you don't experience click for you it's because of the you hate the throwaway game and for me i don't hate the throwaway game because somewhere in that throwaway game is when i have the click for you so for you it's like maybe game number two is click for you and that's why you like game number two better 
I think that's because when he learns the rules, because he's tuned you out yeah. on the rule explanation for game one and then kind of learns it as we're playing. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the differences between Chris Johnson and I when, when we're listening to the rules is he is open about the fact that he's not listening, and I'm I'm like hanging in there and not not really – I just want to play, and I'll learn it as I go. And it sort of hurts the experience for everybody else if I'm dogging the guy reading the rules. You actually – I noticed with you, because you get things quickly – like I can go through the rules really fast with you, and you'll get it. It's my. I think the problem is that not everyone in the group is like that. So, like, if I'm explaining the rules to you and Chris Johnson and Tim, Tim, Tim didn't even need the rules explanation. He just looked at the game and knew how to play it. It was like uploaded into his brain. You, I can go really fast, but then if I go too fast, other people won't get it. So I have to go slow, and when I start going slow, is when it becomes a problem for you. Yeah. Like when we played that food chain magnet game, that guy we were playing with uh, Ryan Metzler, the from the Dice Star. He he explains games really fast. Yeah, he and did. and I was actually okay with that, and I think you you seemed okay yeah. with it too. And Chris was killing us in that. I, game. I would almost rather I was. Yeah, you destroyed us in that game. You forgot about. Oh, that? that's right, I did. <laughs> yeah, that's because I did a different strategy. Yeah, yeah. He was doing the ODD thing, and then he he demolished yeah. us. Uh, that was a fun game too. I'd like to play that again sometime. Yeah, I'll be bringing. We'll it. have to do a review of that. Food chain magnate. I think you'll like it, Tim. It's Could like be. a really seems good kind of like an like odd sure. theme that just it doesn't interest me based you, you on will, the theme you will that like you're saying. The game. Oh, because well, but, it's, you know, we'll it's, see. It's running a chain of fifties diners. That's the theme, and all the art is like fifties diners art. See if you if you told me that, I would just walk by the shelf. Yeah, but if you played it, well, exactly knowing the mechanic, like, you know, I see power grid. I'm like. Power, really? <laughs> but it's actually a fun game. So, yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. It's in the same level as Power Grid. It's very strategic. No. Do no, you think? Yeah. Food Chain Magnate? It's not like Power Grid, though. It's not, in that it's strategic. Power Grid is very strategic. Yeah, and so is Food Chain Magnate. It's a, it's a pure strategy game. It's, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. There's no luck. You could do that. Well, there's no luck by our definition. By Chris's definition. There there's always there's, luck. There's always luck, but there's a very minimal. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. The sun is down. I repeat, it's the getting, sun is It's getting down. dark in here. Where do we leave off? Is We're it, still doing Cult of the New. Right, Tim, I think you're up. Or did you finish? Yeah. I, 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 finished. I finished my part of the segment. <laughs> waxed this poetic. This is the uh, transition episode. All right. So I think he's he's once again covered my list. You know, the new experience, the new strategies, you know, new mechanics, all kind of exciting to try all this new stuff and see how things are going to work. Maybe a new theme that, you know, someone hasn't come up with. So it's, it's great to try that, but then, you know, it's usually a longer startup time, the rules explanation, uh, you know, some people just not having fun because they don't want to go through that part of it. So that first game can sometimes, just the experience of trying to learn the game can turn some people off of the game. So yeah. it might be hard for that game to graduate to Cult of the Old because people <laughs> just can't get through the new part of it. Yeah. So it, you got to take that as we're going to try this game out and see if it's something that interests a bulk of the people and that's something that maybe we want to keep trying. So I think it's harder to get those in. It's definitely harder. There's a lot less interest in new. We do have a hard time transitioning games into like the regular cycle. You got a very eclectic group. Yeah. <laughs> it's slowly growing. Like I actually have to make choices now of what goes in the bag. Like huh? I, we have too many, I have too many games now to fit in, in one bag <laughs> for our group. So that's good. That means I'm accomplishing my mission. 
true. slowly, but it, it is it's hard to to transition them in for sure. Okay, this is the longest section for me, but I'm going to go through it quickly. Let's do it. Not surprisingly, because this is definitely me. Cat's out of the bag on that one. Part one, 37 subparts. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. Okay, positives. One, constantly having new gaming experiences. I think that's a positive for Cult of the New. This goes along with discovering new mechanisms, new styles of game. You're always experiencing new things. Two, there's more thrill and excitement about discovering the next big game. Cult of the Old doesn't care about that. Cult of the New does care about that. You want to you want to kind of be on the cusp of discovering that kind of that next great game. But the problem is you might have to go through 20 really bad ones to find that one good one. I know, but when you find it, it's like pure That's, gold. It's like it's like digging for diamonds. And you get coal, 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 and then you, you find a diamond. Can you explain that? Uh, uh, all kidding aside, the next big game, what does that mean? That, to me, that means like that game you put on the table and everyone enjoys it. So much that they want you to bring it every game night and play it. It becomes like the dead of winter when yeah. we, we actually were considering buying a second game because everybody wanted to play it. So it's a game that everybody likes yeah. or that you like? No, it has to be everyone. Otherwise, no one's going to play so it. So what's an example of that? Well, Tim just winter. named one. Dead of Winter. Alien Frontiers is an example. Kalis, I think Sheriff of Nottingham is an example. Okay. The one night game. So it's the by next big game you mean it's the neck it's the a game that nobody's played before but everybody likes now. Yeah. Gotcha. Spyfall. <laughs> yep. Spyfall. Yeah, just like do you remember when we first started playing Werewolf? It was like such a weird concept, and I experienced it, even though this wasn't a new thing. One night werewolf or regular regular werewolf. werewolf. Right. One night werewolf, it all it happened too. But and then we just like all got hooked on it forever. Yeah. You know, hence we talked about it for fifteen episodes nonstop until <laughs> we finally gave that up a little bit. <laughs> uh, at least until next episode. There's more opportunities for click for you. I had to that was on my list. Oh, well, of course. Cult of the New more opportunities for click for you, which apparently what only do you happens more to opportunities. Me. Isn't that the only opportunity? No, because Cult of the Old, you have no opportunity right. with with uh, Cult of the New. I don't agree with that. I think you could still have that in an old game because you're just exploring a new strategy. Mm. No, that you're not getting the click with Clitoria. <laughs> no, it's, but you know, you're, you've got. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a it's a difficult story. concept. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't completely understand it either. But. You know it when you see it, Tim. I don't know it. Except to watch Orion during the first time playing, he goes, "Oh, oh. well, that's that's <laughs> usually when he's popping out the game pieces from the new game." Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a different for you. Yeah. Is that on your list too? <laughs> no, it Opening be. the game that should be actually. That's it's annoying. I don't have that on here. Uh, strength in numbers. So if you're if you're constantly buying new games, there's strength in numbers because it's easier to justify when everyone around you is doing the same thing. Con- you can constantly refine your collection. I'm a collector. And you don't want your collection to get stale, right? You want it, you want it to be refined. So, you know, as, as stuff gets old and outdated, you, you push it out the door and replace it with new stuff. That's not how normal collectors do it, though, because normal collectors, is you're collecting all the stuff and you're getting the complete set. Think of it like a museum, so, Tim. You don't take an old baseball card, rip it up and go, that's an old one, and but get rid of it. No. You keep the old ones and you keep adding new ones. That's a collector. I don't know. I think some people will sell the old one. Not a collector. That's, that's when they need money. That's like when they're retired and they just want to, you know, they're done. So I think of my collection as like a like a museum. Like every time you go to a museum, they don't have the same thing there. It's because they shipped they're it to changing, another museum. They're changing the exhibits out. Or like a theme park. You know, they, they, they rotate out the, the roller coasters. That's how I look at my game collection. So what you need is a storage unit you can just move games to from the house and then rotate them from your storage unit to your house and then you can kind of keep the collection and rotate it. It might, it might be under something. to build there. another wall. Here's the thing, though. When I look at my wall of games, 
when I'm scanning across them from game to game every night, as I like to do, yeah, I don't like to have any negative feelings. So if I'm scanning through and I, and I come upon a game that gives me like a negative reaction, chances are that game is getting moved to the coal pile. That's not oh. a collector. I don't I'm, so I'm what, kind of what is it then? It's a, it's an example of somebody who's obsessive and things are, are getting stale in one section. Okay, and it needs to be. It needs to be. You need sparkles there. You need to put something there. Because I think if I kept all those games, that'd be more of like a being a hoarder than a collector. No, a hoarder would be if you just kept stacking them up and you couldn't even walk through your house because you had so many. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not to that level. My my objective is to keep my shelf full of games that I actually want to play. And games get stale after a while, and I just kind of want to get rid of them. Yeah, that's the the stale is wrestling with the obsessive. Okay, <laughs> and 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 the, well, just, they're both winning a little bit, but stale is chipping away. Well, either way, it's still my collection of games, though. Maybe not in the the sense of an actual collector. Yeah, like a collector, like Tim had all those games from like the eighties. He brought in that's that's a collector. A collector keeps those games, yeah, because they become you know the, worth something as time goes on. And I doubt they're worth also anyway. they have sentimental value too. Yeah, more so. And then lastly, it's fu- it's just fun to kind of stay on top of the buzz, which I kind of mentioned. Now negatives. It's expensive to be cult of the new. Uh, you spend a lot of money on games. Uh, you never feel satisfied with your collection of games. So, you know, there is that. And it's hard to get everything played that Wait, you want is, to. Is that true? You never feel satisfied? Yeah, that's that's why you keep buying. You, you're satisfied to me and be like, all right, I'm done. At 8 o'clock, I think it's like 8 or 8.30 is when you sit in your chair and gaze yeah. at the games. Aren't you satisfied looking at the at the, at the wall? <laughs> Sometimes, but there's but in the back of my mind, there's new things coming out that I that I want to try. All right, so what's worse for you? You buy a new game and you love it, but pretty much everybody else you play with hates it. That, so you, that would make him not. Or love it. you buy a game, really expensive game, and pretty much everybody hates it, including you. Which is which is worse? Okay, so everyone hates it, including me, or I love it and everyone hates it. Which is worse? Yeah, probably that I love it and everyone hates it. Because now it's going to stay on your shelf because you love it. No, I'll get and rid of it. And you're hoping one day someone might play it with you and they might like it. I would get rid of it actually. Wow, yeah, he wouldn't love it wow. if 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 everybody else didn't like it. That that would really affect. Well, okay, I take that back because Spirium is still on my shelf. Spirium? I don't, what is that? I remember. Chris that hated that you? game. It was the same designer yeah. as Kalos. It was a little small game. It had little green gems. And we had like a, like a, some cards that you would buy. You put them in front of you. You okay. won. Tim won. He doesn't even remember the game, but he still won. Okay. I remember he was complaining the whole time because he thought oh, we were coming right. after him. Well, that's and funny. he still won. <laughs> uh, that game has been on my shelf for two years. And no one liked it except me. So maybe Tim's right. I'm holding on to the hope that when I yeah. bring it out again, someone will like you it. You don't know if Evan. everybody hates it. Evan, yeah. you will be playing Spirium <laughs> in a few years. Actually, now that you mention that, there are some games on my shelf that are just there for when Evan is like 13, and there's wow. a chance he might like it. I have kept a couple of games just for that scenario. Evan is Ryan's son. Yes. <laughs> my four-year-old son. So in nine years, <laughs> we will see if Dungeon Twister... Remains in the collection, for example. And lastly, games get stale easily and sit on your shelf. Cult of the New. All right. Cult of the Next. Cult of the Next. So I don't really get this group. I understand the definition, but I'm interested to know examples of people like this because this is somebody who only gets excited and interested about games coming out, which means they're not playing games. In the future. Yeah. They're not playing games. They're fantasizing about games. And they're... they're, (laughs) They're thinking about 
what's coming and not actually sitting down and playing. So let me just set the stage here. A lot of what I'm thinking about with Cult of the Next are people who are obsessive about backing games on Kickstarter. Because Kickstarter is a big thing right now in the Should gaming industry. Called it Cult of the Kick then. <laughs> that's a good that's good. But that's what they're excited about is these games that I'm backing on Kickstarter or games that have been announced by companies but aren't like maybe coming out until Essen, like in September. And that's all they get that's all they're excited about. So they're not playing games? This is what's weird to me, because I don't know what they're it, it's like they're probably playing the new games that have just come out, but they're they're quickly discarding them and looking for the next thing. Yeah, so all I have is negatives. Okay. In fact, I, think, <laughs> I think this group, this is the same group that probably shot up that, that outhouse you were in, <laughs> just out of frustration. Okay. Because I can imagine how frustrating it is to just only think about games that are coming out and never play any games that you have. So you don't enjoy playing games. It's more metagaming than gaming because you're talking about the games yeah. as opposed to gaming. You're not, they're not having fun because at least the fun that a game brings firsthand and I guess the one, if I had to pick a positive, it'd be they're knowledgeable. So they could, knowledge they can share about what's around the corner. That would be like the one positive. You could have a conversation. As you're playing your game and they're sitting there not playing, they can talk about what games are coming out. <laughs> like they're not spending money either because they're waiting for the game to come out. Yeah, because they're not actually buying it. Yeah. In fact, they're, they're spending money on helping the game to be produced. They're just not enjoying it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay... What these people are probably like you said, they're waiting for the game to come out. When it finally comes out, they obviously play it. But then once they've played it, it's like they're on. They're already on to all right. What's coming out next year? I, I, I can kind of see this with like X Wing because there is there is such a big gap between their releases that when Fantasy Flight like kind of releases like a picture, people are like getting out their magnifiers and trying to read card text from this photo <laughs> and speculating, you know, some cards are partially covered, so they're trying to speculate what the card does. And there's just a whole lot of talk going on on what this is going to do, what this pilot's going to do. And there's a big buildup because, I mean, it's sometimes, you know, six months in advance of when this is coming out. And so people are speculating, speculating. Then it hits. And then all of a sudden, there's no more talk about it. And then, oh, they've gotten a picture of the new ones. So now they're, yeah. they're delving into, oh, Hey, what is this card saying? What is this doing? I can see kind of where that's at. Yeah, it's it would like, drive me crazy. I couldn't do it. I, <laughs> I'm just like, when it drops, I'll find out what it does. Yeah, and then I will uh, kick my brother's butt with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't. I've never been cult of the next, but I. There was a period when I first got into gaming where I was backing more things on Kickstarter, which I've stopped doing because it. It occurred to me that. A lot of the times those games were horrible when I got them. There's a few exceptions, like the One Night games. Uh, Alien Frontiers is actually a Kickstarter that I backed. But, you know, there's been a, a lot of games that just turn out to be total duds. And it's like you have these expectations for this game. You're, you're watching it from infancy all the way through the whole process. It's, it's shipping late. You finally get it, and then you play it, and it's like... Ugh. It's almost like your baby. Yeah, except it's, it's way it's ugly. way less exciting <laughs> than your baby's <laughs> ugly. <laughs> so I stopped doing that. You know, like Tim said, now I, I wait until the game actually releases and there's been reviews out and I can actually do some real research on the yeah. game. But there there are some positives. Like this is perfect for hipsters. You know, people who want to discover things like when they aren't cool and they want to be like, yeah, I was the first. I, I backed that, you know, before anyone. I was like one of the first backers of that game. So hipsters, they, they probably like being cult of the next. Okay. And there is something to be said for maybe people who are like this, they just enjoy that experience of seeing something develop from, from infancy to the end. Maybe they enjoy that whole process of following it, 
you know, that is kind of the point of Kickstarter is for people who are interested in doing that. Uh, so maybe they just get something different out of the hobby. Maybe that's it. But negatives, you know, waiting for a game to be released that long can be torturous. Oh, it's painful. Yeah, and then by the time, I mean, some t- like like Tim said, it's like you all the buzz is gone by the time the game actually comes out. It, it, it literally is. I mean, they've talked about it because there's nothing else to talk about because there's nothing new, and then it's been talked about so much, and uh, it finally drops, and we're like, eh, okay, yeah, it's in, they're on to the next. The fanfare is gone, and they're already looking at the next thing. Yeah. So, so where do you guys see you? you Fitting in. We all know that I'm cold to the new. I'm curious where well, you I guys think there's fit. gray area. I, I'm between old and new. Yeah, I like you're, old you're new old. Yeah. That's me. New old. New old. Yeah. What's that mean? New old. You know, new and old. Yeah, like oh, okay. you're just old. combining the words. On <laughs> game nights, I like trying a new game, but I also want to play games that I am familiar with because I want and to And that enjoy we have it. fun with. Right. Yeah. So you know that you're gonna enjoy it. And then but it's also good to learn a new one too. You know, it's a mix, really. Yeah. For the old games for me, I only I tend to not want to play older games that are going to take majority of the game night. So, that's I like to play games that we know, but those are the games like the shorter games that we play at the end of the night. Those are the ones What about I like. Pandemic Legacy? It's different. It's the, the, the exact definition. No, the Legacy, remember, the Legacy <laughs> uh, campaign the old, is old. one giant game. So, I think Chris, you're more old, I think. From my from my observation, you're old with a hint of new. No, I'm more new than I used to be, though. Yeah, well, this yeah, is I your New Year's resolution new year. Yeah, I, I want to play new games. I enjoy new games, but I don't want to only do new games. Is that going to end in December? I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned. Know, I'm kind of worried now. Yeah, no, I, I I think you need a little bit of both because yeah. if you were playing new games all night and before every game there was a rules explanation, you would be so burned out. Yeah, you know you can't watch Star Wars: A New Hope over and over and over it's great but it's gonna get a little old and then you didn't realize that empire was sitting there so now you watch empire like holy cow that was great yeah but then you're still gonna get you know your attack of the clowns and all those (laughs) other ones so you're gonna have your bummers but you're gonna have your good ones so gotta play some old stuff watch new hope have fun and then move on and see the new one and with that i think episode 24 of out of games coming to a close we have to declare done. That's a wrap. <laughs> over. It's over. Well, we have to do the outro, and then we'll be done. You can find us at outofgamepodcast.com, our flashy website. Amazing, amazing website. That's <laughs> a really good picture on there. <laughs> you can find us at BGG Guild 1990. We've been hanging tight at 83 Guild members. I'd like to see that get to an even number, because odd numbers drive me crazy. I have more rebel ships than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. We need to have at least as many guild members as Tim has rebel ships. Yeah. What is that number, Tim? Uh, I can tell you. That number is uh, 87. 87. No, that's an odd number. So we need 88. Oh, I can buy another one. Please do. 88. <laughs> wow. That's that's what we're shooting for. So come join our guild if you haven't already. And if you have, just grab random people on the street and hand them your phone and have them join the guild. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Stitcher at... At OG Podcast. Chris won that time. You can email us at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com or, as the prophet does, leave us a voicemail at 40-O-O-G-O-O-G-80. Maybe we'll give you a nickname. It is, it is the best way. And you noticed we played his voicemail on the podcast, so you get to have your voicemail played. That's right, unless you don't want to. But you better tell me, because I'm going to play it otherwise. And for more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, go to dicetowernetwork.com. 
Good night. Good night. We're done. We're done. Peace out. It's over. It's a wrap. So as with Gen Con, I brought my own games. Do you need to clear your throat? No. Okay. I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to roll, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happening. <laughs> that you have to sit through not only this movie, but you got to come back for all the sequels. The Sorry. <laughs> Feature Ryan, help. <laughs> <laughs> so some interesting fake it till we make it questions this time. Uh, you skipped the listener question. Yeah. yeah what, what happened to... Yeah. Uh, Oh. The profit. What's up with that? We can do that after fake it till you make it. That's where we started. The profit got bumped. I bet he knew he was going to get bumped. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> fake it till we make it. Fake it till we make it. Question one. Do you remember when they diffused a bomb on that MASH episode? <laughs> yes. It was full of propaganda. All right. So I think before we start. You need a sneeze? Here comes a sneeze. It's coming. Oh, it's failing. Yeah, there's an edit here coming. Sneeze is gone. It's over. Oh, it almost, almost resurrected itself. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. I bet the prophet knew. Hey, well, you know what? The happen. sun's in my eyes now too. So yeah, there you back go. to the I, sun. I, I got to turn this way. All right, all right. So let's define these before we before we start. What's cult of the old? You want to start over so, so you, then you could just like start from here. Yeah, I'll just over. edit it. Okay. I'm used to it. By the way, Chris still has the sun in his eyes. He's refusing to let us put the blinds down. Embrace the horror. This is the ODD, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, ODD. Most people would put those blinds down. I'm saying, you know what? Face the corona and tell it, I see you there, and I'm okay with it. (laughs) All righty. Plus, it's casting a really cool shadow behind me. Not really? No, not really. <laughs> oh, it's got to. <laughs> um, all right. Were you, uh, were you done? <laughs> <laughs> I am done. <laughs> I've made my point and moved on.